0: NBC television, television. 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 I had a, a, a famous actor whose friends, uh, whose friends of mine, send me this complete, absolutely filthy, filthy <laughs> text that he wanted to do with the girl. And I, and I, I text him back. I go, was it a photo? No, no, no. Oh. This one wasn't a photo. <laughs> and I text him back. I go, this is Ernie. He goes, oh, sorry, wrong person. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Episode 4 of Everything Else. The new entertainment series in NBC10, Boston, where we ditch the obvious topics. To do this, each episode will start by introducing the guest and a list of three banned subjects that are based on what you probably expect me to ask or what the person's been asked about too much already. I'm your host, Ray Pichetti, and this week's episode features Massachusetts business leader, entrepreneur, and philanthropist Ernie Bach Jr. He's probably best known in the Boston area as the CEO of Bach Enterprises, but he's not exactly your typical millionaire. Outside of owning a number of car dealerships, including a Ferrari and Maserati franchise, Ernie's known for his quirky personality, his former band Ernie and the Automatics, contributions he makes to the local arts, and for his parties and fundraisers that always seem to draw A-list celebrity guests. So for this one, I thought uh, the first band topic would be money. You have a lot and I don't, so we don't need to get into that.
0: Well, money is a tool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, Sammy Hagar said it the best. Money is not evil. Money is good. It's people that can get evil. You That's know, true. money is a tool. You can do great, great things with money.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so topic two is cars. We know you're known for that. You and your family. So we're going to skip cars. Sure. Okay. Number three is music. You have a band. Earning the. I used to have a band. Yeah. Oh. I, I used to have a band. Yep. Stopped in June of 011. Part of what your father was known for was kind of the antics and the commercials, which were kind of outrageous in a way that was ahead of their time, I think, like smashing windows and jumping onto cars. When you, when you and your siblings were kids, did you think that was funny or was that just dad
0: being dad? It's funny. Somebody, uh, a, a, a well-known gentleman in the music business has a really big band around here, national, sold millions of records. He just saw my father's commercial from 1966 mm-hmm. yesterday. Oh really? The black yeah, and white and he, one, and he, yeah. Yeah, the, where he smashed the window, and he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> he he said, "You you have to do that exact same commercial." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, it's a you know it's a good idea, I guess. I don't know. I'll think about it, but probably not." Off camera, like at home, was he funny like that, or was that kind of just oh, yeah. showmanship? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Was... <laughs> at home, my father was um, he was he was all business. He was all business. He was a he was an interesting guy. A depression baby. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was it was different back then. He, some people are great at building businesses, and some people are great at running businesses. He was he was good at both. Do you think that uh, those antics
1: that we talked about
0: rubbed off on you
1: and uh, influenced how you carry yourself as a businessman?
0: Well, everything that I've learned about business, I learned from my father, but it, we have completely completely different styles, mm-hmm. a- absolutely different styles. He, his was old school because he was old school. Very successful. There's not one way something can be successful. Yeah. There's in, with successful people, there is a thread that runs through. If you talk to them, there is a thread. But it, you can be on completely different ends of the spectrum and be just as successful. So there's no exact way from A to B. It doesn't there's matter. There's no exact that. way. But there is a thread that mm-hmm. people have, successful, successful people have.
1: What's uh What's one of the funniest or craziest rumors you've ever heard about yourself?
0: There's just, there's so much, there's just so much. I just did a, I just, uh, I just uh, commented on the road system in Boston, in Boston Magazine. And everybody was talking about how to fix the roads and how to fix the traffic and everything like that. And I didn't. Get a take on that. I say fix the roads. If we're going to be in traffic, let's be comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the roads are just so bad. You you have to if you're driving a nice car or a low car, you have to avoid those roads. Yeah, and that's um, that's Charlie Baker's job, the governor, who I think is the greatest governor in the world. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but Charlie, you could definitely work on the roads.
1: Uh, so a few years back, you did a show. I think it was was it Secret Angel on National Geographic? Is that the name or Undercover Angel? Undercover Angel, yes. So um, you went to Uganda and you I helped went build to Uganda. Yeah. So as great as an experience as I'm sure that was, how hard was that to kind of leave the comforts of here and go out there and build that? Like, would you do it again?
0: um, For those that don't know, I was contacted before I did this trip to Uganda. I was contacted almost two years prior Mm -hmm. and I was at my desk and my assistant said, hey, uh, some producer is on the phone, wants to talk to you. And I said, I'll talk to him. And they said, Ernie, we're going around to various cities in the United States. And we're looking for people that are, how can I say this, successful, but a little off. <laughs> and I said, I said, that's me. Perfect. Absolutely. And they said, you know, Ernie, We've been to New York, Chicago. We've been to a lot of major cities in the United States. And we go to the city and we ask around and we say, who should we talk to? Mm-hmm. And when we came to Boston for the first time, everybody we talked to said, we should talk to you. Okay. So they introduced me to the concept of a TV show. And, you know, I was, I was okay with it. But ultimately, it, it turned out that they had this show on National Geographic where they take people from around the world and they drop them somewhere in the world and they can't use any of their resources. They're under an assumed name mm-hmm. and they have to make a difference in the community. So that was, a, that was a pretty big challenge. So I'll tell you, when I hit the ground in Uganda had they told me where I was going, how I would be living, and what was going to happen, I would have never gone. Never, ever, ever gone. I don't <laughs> care, national TV, it doesn't. I would never, ever, had they prepped me for what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. With that said, I'm glad I went. I enjoyed it. It was tough. It was rough. But it was it was interesting. You can you can check it out on my YouTube page, Ernie Bach Jr. on YouTube. What was one of the toughest parts of it? Was there a day that really stands out? As... Sure, absolutely. They I they came to they, I left from Boston. They came and hung out with me for three days because mm-hmm. they had to introduce me to a national audience, yeah. that type of thing. And they you know I got really friendly with them. All English crew. We were drinking English beer, and it was it was it was nice. So one of the most difficult days was the very first day. They had come here, the, the, the film crew from National Geographic, they were, they were all English, and they came here, and they spent three days with me. They had to introduce me to a national audience, and we were hanging out, we were drinking. But when I landed in Uganda and I got out of the car, it was like literally in the middle of the jungle, with no electricity, no running water. So you weren't in some no, hotel
1: near the set. like No, no, oh, I man. was
0: in a, a, a building made of mud, and, <laughs> and they they said, "Okay, go ahead." And I looked at him. and I go, "Wait a minute, you're kidding me? What do you mean, go ahead?" And they said, "Ernie, you're on your own." <laughs> and I had to, I had to, I had to build a fire, and I've never built a fire in my whole entire life. I, I couldn't do it, and. And as if you see the show you'll see I was sitting there extremely frustrated and I heard this I heard this sound, these people and I walked through I walked through the the jungle and I came upon a family mm-hmm. and they didn't have electricity, they didn't have running water, but they had a fire. They were cooking dinner. Yeah. So they didn't speak English, so I Somehow, got the word, please come over and help me build this fire. And the woman came over and she built that fire from <laughs> scratch in like two minutes, like a minute. She had the thing roaring. It was, it was incredible. Wow. These yeah. people, a real deal? It wasn't stage. Oh, that, or... was, uh, that was a real deal. Man.
1: A real deal, yeah. Okay. So uh, you have a lot of buzzed about parties. You have A-listers coming in all the time.
0: Well, I don't. I don't the, mm. the thing about me is I don't like to go out. So I stay home, and I I build the (laughs) house how I like it, and I like to have people over because I don't go out. Do you ever get funny reactions,
1: though, when you bring, like, these people I imagine are coming from cool cities like Chicago, L.A., New York. Do you
0: ever get a weird reaction when you say, hey, can you come to Norwood, Massachusetts, of all places? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I bring bring two national acts a year for my business, for Mm -hmm. various events I have. And a few years ago, I brought... Uh, Greg Allman to Foxborough, Massachusetts, to this, you know, nice place, but mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. And, and and Greg, just like all the other artists, they're a little, they're a little hesitant. They're a little skittish is not the right word, but they're, a little, they're they the walls are up. It takes them a while, but they love it when they leave. They yeah. I mean, when they leave, they the great experience. It's definitely a change of pace for him, I imagine too, yeah. compared with the normal. Yeah, but I, I treat them well, and they and they they're very much appreciated when they play for for my my people.
1: I was reading uh, in researching this. I was reading a funny story about you at a Patriots game in two thousand four. Oh yeah, I don't know if you even want to get into it. Oh, but, we uh, can totally get
0: into it. <laughs> right, Compl- well, I got thrown out of the stadium. You got thrown out of the stadium. Yeah, I got thrown out of the stadium. I got thrown out of the stadium. Um, I I had a little little um, how would you say. Uh, <laughs> rough relationships with the Crafts for many years. I saw Mr. Craft at Charlie Baker's last inaugural, and we buried the hatchet, and you know, now the guy, in my opinion, could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. I love the guy. But we had a little bit of a problem. I got thrown out of the stadium. Well, you want to hear the story? Yeah, of course. Okay, <laughs> here's the story. So I have to name names to to do it, but I'll name good friends so there won't be a problem. (laughs) So I met Jonathan Kraft through Greg Hill, Mm -hmm. who I consider a very good friend of mine. And we hung out, and everything was good, and, you know, we were younger, we were a little bit wilder, and everything was good. Everything was good. I met Jonathan, we hung out, everything's great. Prior to that, before they built the stadium the new stadium, Jonathan had come to my father's office with the plans and everything trying to sell us a box. Mm-hmm. And the, the boxes are to this day very, very expensive, extremely, extremely yeah. expensive. So we we said, well, you know, we don't really, we've never really had that before. So why don't we buy some seats? So we bought 10, I called them the red seats. Mm-hmm. they were the marine leather red seats that they had. I don't even know if they still have them. but you're not in a box, you're outside, but you have access to all the bars and everything. and if it rains, you can go immediately inside. So I had that for a few years and I and like I said, Greg had introduced me to Jonathan, and we were hanging out and I I, every once in a while, I'd say, "Hey, Jonathan, can you get me a box? Can you get me a box?" You, you know, he's like Ernie, "I can't. They're all sold out." I, I will keep me in mind. Keep me in mind. So a couple years later, he called me up. He says, "Ernie, I have a box." I said, "Great, great." He <laughs> come come down and and do it, and and it was they had just built it, and they said we can do this, and we negotiated, and everything's fine, and. For, for years I, I went to the box, I, I did events there, we would you'd win tickets on AF hanging out. I put a Japanese toilet in the <laughs> in the suite, which was very, very uh, popular, and everything was good. At the time I was driving a stretched Subaru. I was being driven a stretched Subaru because when you go into Boston from the suburbs, you'd have to go in in the afternoon just to a quick meeting or something like that it's it's a pain in the ass to drive in and then park and everything so I'm a good Subaru guy so I stretched a, a Tribeca at the time a Tribeca and I used that for business it wasn't it didn't have a bar or any of that stuff It was mm-hmm. a business a business uh, uh, vehicle yeah so when they really got they got together at the stadium they started separating. Like, you can't... I think to this day, the limos have to go in a certain place. You can't just take the limo and drop you off in front of the front yeah, they have door. Yeah, there's a limo lot there. Yeah, you yeah. have to go to the limo lot. And, like, so, I don't know. Is my SUV that stretched 100 inches, <laughs> a Subaru, is that a limo? I don't know. Kind of, so I called up Jonathan. I said, hey, Jonathan. I said, I said can you, can I, can I just get some special dispensation, some pass or something? where They can just drive and drop me off in front of the door and then park them wherever you want because... You know, the limo thing is, it's, you know, I figured I had a box, maybe ask for a perk. He, when I had first, when I had first uh, uh, bought the box, he told me about all these different perks, going on the jet and going, and I did nothing. I never asked him for anything. I never did any of those things. You just wanted to get dropped off at a door. I just wanted yeah. to get dropped <laughs> off at the door. And, and, and I thought it was, you know, it wasn't that big of a car. And, and, and anyway, so he said no. And really? that's okay. Hey, okay. he can say no, that's, it's his business. He can say no. So I got a call a few years, maybe the next year later. This whole thing was over a 12 year period. So I get a call from one of his guys. He says, I wanna come down and show you something. And I go, oh, excellent, they're gonna, they're gonna let me park and show me how to go in This it's gonna be good. And, and they brought me down, this guy brought me down to the field. I don't know if you've ever been to the field at Gillette Stadium, yeah. like on the field, completely empty stadium. Mm-hmm. Just awesome, awesome experience. An amazing, amazing uh, structure. It's just, you know, I, I can't tell you. I, I, I love Mr. Kraft. He's amazing. So this guy shows me. He says, look at all this. Look at all this. If you buy that sign, mm-hmm. we'll let you get dropped off. <laughs> would be in front of the door. Okay. And I said, well, that's not, that's not really fair. I'm already spending ridiculous amounts yeah. of money on the, on the box, and, and it's, just, it's just not right. So anyway, one thing led to another, and we got in a pissing contest with the guy. And I guess the guy was Jonathan's guy. And the vibe started to change. And then one day I did a promo with the radio station, not Craig Station, another station. One thing led to another, and pot was being smoked <laughs> in, this, in, the, um, in the box. And oh, in, during a game? In the during a game. It's, I haven't been to many games, but that's, it's, it's not common, but you can definitely smell marijuana before yeah. it was legal mm-hmm. in, in the stadium. So there was some pot smoking. One thing led to another, and there's a knock on the door and I open it up and a big it was like a Cheech and Chong movie big <laughs> puff of smoke comes out and they said we're gonna ask you to leave and I said "Ooh, I guess okay all right but it looks like you're gonna arrest me because yeah. there's you and there's security and this police There must have been four or five people six people at the door yeah. and I said if you're going to arrest me, you can arrest me, but tell me, because I'll get my lawyer on the phone right now. Mm -hmm. And they didn't say anything. I said, well, I'm not going to go with you unless you tell me you're going to arrest me. And if you want to, you can, but I would like to call my lawyer to handle whatever is going to happen. They said, Ernie, we're not going to arrest you. We're going to escort you out of the stadium. I said, okay. So they escorted me out, walked me in my car, and I left. And within... I think it was a bye week, the next week, or a away game, or something. But within within five or six, seven days, I got a letter saying that that they no longer wanted me at the stadium, and that I would have to pay the difference of what I've of my contract. Wow. So they wanted to kick me out of the stadium, and pay for years of me not using the box. Was this letter from
1: a member of the Kraft family personally, or no? It-,
0: it was from you know whatever from the stadium. Gotcha. I, I don't okay. I don't know if I don't. I don't think a craft signed it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a decent person. So I said, oh, okay, that was a mistake. Shouldn't have done that. They have every right to bust your balls. I'll call Jonathan, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I'll call Jonathan. I call Jonathan, can't get a hold of him. I talk to my friends that know him. Can't get a hold of him. Absolutely no contact. Man. Now, let's take a pause there. hmm if one of my friends did that to me, I'd call him up and I'd go, Jesus Christ, you know what you did? This is horrible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suspend you for X, so you got to do this, or you got to do that, and don't do it again. You yeah. know, what, 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 the, what the hell do you think we're running here? <laughs> you know, I would do that. Yeah. I would do that, but I got nothing. I mm-hmm. got nothing. So f- fuck you letters were going back and forth to the lawyers. It got pretty bad. And at the time, the, uh, the inside track, remember the inside track? I do, they, yeah. They were very powerful at the time. People forget how powerful they were. One of them calls me up, Laura or Gail, I can't remember, and they said, we here, you got thrown out of the stadium. <laughs> now, I didn't say anything to anybody, and, but the, the fuck you letters were going back and forth and back and forth, and, and, you know, they wanted me to pay the rest of the contract, and it was frustrating. I couldn't get a hold of Jonathan, and it, was, it just sucked. <laughs> I said to my lawyer, I said, listen, if they're not going to at least talk to me, negotiate, do something, the next time somebody from the press asked me if I got thrown out of the stadium, I'm going to tell them I did. A little bad boy image, what's it going to do, you know? And they're like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. I said, well, figure this out. (laughs) It all got down to hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, am I kicked out? Am Am I not kicked out? Can I finish my contract? And the lawyers went for a big summit. And it turns out that my lawyer went to college with one of their lawyers and it just went away.
1: So that's what it took was those two know It took it took yeah.
0: communication. It yeah. took people that knew each other to sit down. Mm-hmm. I mean, had Jonathan called me, I would have been yeah, you know, I I would have been Jonathan, I'm so sorry. I'd <laughs> never do that again. Suspend <laughs> me for four games, do this, do that. I'll you know, I'll I'll pick up papers around the stadium you know Mm -hmm. but but let's work it out yeah and that's really what I missed I missed that that they kind of just left me hanging yeah and you know and and no disrespect to Mr. Kraft it wasn't right what happened but it wasn't right the way they handled it Mm -hmm. so today I saw Mr. Kraft he was very very nice to me we were talking buried the hatchet he's cool as shit (laughs) love the guy nice have you Jonathan I have not talked to you since.
1: Since then? I have not talked to you since, no. Okay. Have you returned to the stadium personally?
0: I, 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 I have to go there every once in a while because I have a son that loves, like I saw ACDC there. Oh, cool. and he'll, he'll, you know forced me to go to the show but I don't I don't I don't usually go to those type of events anyway that's a like th- that stadium you've been to the stadium yeah. right i mean yep. whatever's happening there whether it's a game or a concert it's it's the, the actual event is secondary to the complete amazing situation that 60,000 people bring to the table it's incredible
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's amazing yeah I think it's fair to say you're you're not like a quote-unquote typical rich person, like the, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk. Uh, instead of jumping right into the family business, like you went on tour with your band, like stuff like that. Do you ever find yourself feeling like weird around different types of people of your stature that want to talk a certain way or act a certain oh, way? Oh, no,
0: not at all. I, lo- I love going, because see how I look? I look like this 99% of the time. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. And I've walked into places where where, where actually security has run up to me and told yeah. me, what are you doing here? And I was invited to the event. And I've been in situations where, you know, guys that, that, that are wealthy and powerful have been in a circle and wouldn't let me in just by the way I look. But I, don't, I, don't, I remember going, I remember I had an old girlfriend one time and I went to buy a pocketbook like this, like big deal pocketbook for yeah. christmas like this like you have to like you know you can't get it and it's i even. i don't even <laughs> i didn't even know about it you know until i went in when i walked into that store the woman that was there she was she was probably in her late 20s early 30s tall attractive impeccably dressed i mean she looked at me like i was a homeless guy that walked in <laughs> And I started asking questions about the bag, and she literally turned her nose up at me. Really? And and I don't mind that. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, people are the way they are, and I'm actually entertained by it.
1: So you have a history of Donald Trump. You supported him early on. You had the fundraiser for him. Yep. Have
0: you spoke to him since he's been in the White House? I have not spoke to him since he was in the White House. You've got you to remember, in 2016, mm-hmm. he was a wild card. He had been—I mean, Trump is Trump is Trump. You know, I first— heard of him in the 80s and you know he did what he did and then all of a sudden he wants to become president nobody really knew nobody really knew and when it came down to it it was him or her you Mm -hmm. know and you had to make a decision i remember i was on uh, cnn and i said i said it's two o'clock in the morning the bar is closing make a decision and I got a lot of crap for that, but it was like that. It was like that. You didn't, you know, and, and to this day, I don't know, although I just saw, I just heard Hillary on Stern, and it was an amazing interview. Did you hear it? I haven't heard it, it yet. It no. was incredible. Well, she, the, she, I, I think with, with Stern's uh, audience, uh, it might have swung the election. It yeah. might have swung the election. I mean, I have all new respect for her. Did I vote for her? No, because at the time, I had to make a decision.
1: Have you met either of these two, uh, Hillary or Trump, like on a personal level besides just quick and passing? I, I met
0: Trump before he was elected a yeah. few times, a few times, yeah.
1: Talking to him in that sense, do you think there's anything that gets lost on cameras, like a side of him oh, that people oh, don't first see? First of all,
0: first of all, you don't talk to Mr. Trump. <laughs> Mr. Trump talks to you. Okay. Uh, you get that straight when you're in a room. It's <laughs> his room. It's his <laughs> air. It's it's actually extremely interesting. And I've met a few presidents and— um, you know, rock stars, whatever. But there, those guys or women, they have this like, this like aura around them. They really do. I mean, mm-hmm. every president has it, or they wouldn't be president. Yep. And you know, like, uh, you know, a, a local guy, Stephen Tyler. When you when you're in a room with Steven Tyler, it's you you can't take your eyes off the guy. The guy, he's just got this aura around him, and and Trump has that. Mm-hmm. He has that you ever see yourself running for office? Would no, you ever do never. that? No. <laughs> never, no. Not even a
1: chance? No. Nope. All right. there's a hypothetical question. If you were to become president, you changed your mind, you did it. What would your first executive order be?
0: Oh, that's a, first of all, that job, that's got to be, <laughs> that's going to be the worst job in the world. I know some. it's the best job in the land. I understand that. But for me, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I don't know what I'd do. i the very first thing, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd try. I, you know, I'd probably do something really naive, because they're pretty much a well-oiled machine down there. And I'd try to bring some of my techniques that I use in business, and they probably fail miserably because, <laughs> you know, they, they 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 are what they are.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for this next topic. You had a, a mausoleum built on your property. Absolutely. I'm just
0: curious what. Uh, well, first of all, this is where you plan to be buried, right? Yes. But keep in mind that 80% of the American people, if they die tomorrow, have no plans for the body. If you die tomorrow, what's going to happen? I haven't planned it. Right. See, yeah. you haven't been. So what you're going to do is you're going to burden your relatives and your friends to figure out what the hell you want. Why don't you write it down? Why don't you tell somebody? Put it in your drawer and tell somebody when I died, look at it, but don't just leave us hanging. <laughs> so so you got it planned out. So I got it planned out. Yeah. There's something comforting about that. Do you remember the moment where you decided that you wanted to build the mausoleum and that was your plan? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember because I have this, I have this property in, in, in Norwood that I bought in the late nineties. It's, um, it originally was on 500 acres. It was, mm-hmm. I live in the last privately owned Endicott estate and it was Endicott farms and it was just a, a cool, cool house that um, had been empty for 10 years when I bought it, and I just saw the, I saw the potential in it, and I, I ended up uh, buying a few houses around it, and when I bought it, it was on about two acres. It's on eight acres now, and uh, like I said, I don't go out much, so it's, it's comforting to know the end.
1: I heard from your publicist, Peggy, that David Crosby was at your house, but he would not go into the mausoleum. Yeah, David.
0: I don't really know David that well. I'm a big, big fan. I did have him play over my house last week. He came over, and after we got the niceties, he's like, hey, this is a pretty nice place. Show me around. I said, David, I'm going to show you something that's so cool. Uh, You know, I have this mausoleum. He goes, mausoleum? No, 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 no. We'll skip that. I hear you have a guitar room. And I brought him to the guitar
1: room. Uh, would you be willing to share some of the most ridiculous impulse purchases you've ever made?
0: Um, I'm really not that type of guy, but, yeah, I've made a few. I used to work 12, 14 hours a day. My hair was shorter. I wore suits. I, I call it the, the hitting it hard days when mm-hmm. I go to work at 7 and come home at 9 at night. For 20 years, I did that, and that really takes a toll. But if we were successful and we had a great month or, you know, right in the, in the thick of things while we were, you know, fighting the fight, I remember uh, a few afternoons we'd, we'd, uh, we'd jump in the jet and go to uh, lunch at Serafina's in New York, one of my favorite, like, lunch places. So I guess that's pretty impulsive. And uh, that's my last question.
1: Years from now, after you're buried in the mausoleum, what do you want your legacy to be? Like, what do you want people to remember Ernie Bach Jr. for?
0: Well, I think that's a, that's a question for the ages. I I, I think that once you reach a certain plateau that you want to be, whether you want to do this or that, or you want to be this successful or that successful or whatever, there comes a time where that's done now, how am I going to help my community? You know, my cup is full. You know, I live, I live in the town that I grew up in. I love my town, my state, New England. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to at this point right now, I'm trying to give back.
1: Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Everything Else. Huge thanks to Ernie Bach Jr. for being on the show. To his publicist Peggy Rose for pulling this together for me. To Johnny for making the theme song called Everything Else, which you can find on any app where you get your music. And to our producer and editor, Larry Doherty. Please be sure to subscribe and give us five stars. Until next time, peace.